This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. chapter 15 verse 4 Romans chapter 15 verse 4 this is what the Bible says it says and whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that through patience and comfort of the scriptures we might have hope it says this folks it says the Old Testament was written for us to learn from that we can have, we can learn patience from it. We can get encouragement from it. We can get hope from it. So what we've been doing, we've been preaching about look back and leap forward. And I want to continue that today. I want to take just a few moments and I want to talk to you about encouragement from Elijah. Encouragement from Elijah. I read a story uh, about Ben Franklin Ben Franklin actually owned a bookstore. And somebody came to Ben Franklin's bookstore to buy a book, and the person that was waiting on the gentleman handed him the book, and he said, that book is $1. And the man said, $1, can I see the owner? So they go back in the office, and they get Ben Franklin out of the office, and Ben Franklin comes out of the office, and the guy says to Ben Franklin, how much is the book? Ben Franklin says, a dollar and 25 cents. He said, a dollar and 25 cents, it was just a dollar. And Ben Franklin said, but you don't understand, I was busy back in my office, and uh, you've taken my time. It's taken my time to come out here and interact with you, and my time is valuable. He said, my goodness, he said, uh, come on, come on, get me a different price. He said, well, it will be a dollar fifty. And Ben Franklin said, my time is valuable. And then he said these words, that famous quote, does thou love life? Then don't squander time because time is the stuff that life is made of. Because time is the stuff that life is made of. Somebody said life is just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced to point me, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give an account if I abuse it. Life is just a minute, but eternity is in it. And what I want us to do today, folks, I want to preach about Elijah, and I want to talk to you about the greatest principles concerning your time and how to maximize time that I know of. And they're all from the life of Elijah Elijah really teaches us how we can maximize our time and how we can maximize our lives. There's four things that I want you to see. First of all, I want you to see the person to please. The person to please. Let me give you some background. Elijah is in a field. He's plowing the field. He's got 12 oxen. He's plowing the field. And God says to Elijah, go down to that field because there's a man down there named Elijah. And I want you to go down there and I want you to put your mantle on him because you're the prophet of Israel now, but he's going to be the next 
prophet of Israel. Now, here's what I want you to see, folks. As I was studying this scripture, and by the way, folks, it's good if a guy tells a good joke. It's a good if a guy tells a good story. But I want you to understand, what's going to transform your life is not any of that. It's the Word of God. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Word of God shall stand forever. It's preaching the Word and taking the Word and applying it to our lives. That's what transforms our lives. Now, here's what I want you to see. Between Elijah and Elijah, there's a parallel between us and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a parallel. First of all, I want you to see the person to please. Look what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says he arose and went after Elijah. So here's what happens. Elijah comes down there, <laughs> puts the mantle on him, and you know what the Bible says? It says he goes after Elijah. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, there's some guys out there fishing, and Jesus says to those guys that are fishing, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And the Bible says they go after him. There's a person to please. I love what John Calvin said. John Calvin said, I gave up all for Christ and found everything in Christ. I gave up all for Christ, but I found everything in Christ. See, discipleship is not about a movement. Discipleship is about a man. Discipleship is not about joining a movement. Discipleship is about following a man. Discipleship, ladies and gentlemen, is not about a program. Discipleship is about a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Discipleship is making up our minds that more than anything, I want to please the Lord. Now look, he comes down there in 1 Kings 19 and 21. And the Bible says he goes after Elijah. But look here. I noticed this, this. And ministered unto him. Wait. Not ministered for him, but ministered unto him. The average Christian, full-time Christian worker. The average full-time Christian worker spends four minutes a week in private time alone with the Lord. The average full-time Christian worker that their livelihood comes from ministry spends four minutes a week alone in private time with the Lord. But I want you to understand, if God's not doing something in us, God can't do anything through us. If God's not doing something in us, God can't do anything through us. I love what Charles Stanley said. He said, prayer is life's greatest time saver. I'm talking about a person to please. Somebody said, Pastor Benny, can we do this? Can we, can we, can we not do that? Christianity is not about a bunch of rules. Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Christianity is about pleasing a man. It's about pleasing Jesus. And folks, if you please Jesus, it doesn't matter who you don't please. But if you don't please Jesus, it doesn't matter who you do please. Because, see, holiness is not the way to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. I'm talking about a relationship. I'm talking about saying, I want to please the Lord no matter what. I love what C.T. Studd said. He left everything to go to Africa. And he said, if Jesus died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. If Jesus died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. I want you to understand there's one person to please, and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to live our lives for the applause of the nail-scarred hands. Not only do I see a person to please, this is not popular preaching. This is not happy, clappy preaching, by the way. But I'm not the happy, cr clappy crowd anyway. I started to say happy, crappy. <laughs> but there's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. A.W. Tozer, not long ago, I went to Tozer's grave in Akron, Ohio, a man that I've read a lot after. A.W. Tozer said, I doubt that God can bless a man or woman greatly until it hurts them deeply. Jerry Falwell said, the life that pleases God is often painful and difficult. Charles Stanley said, God can't bless you until he bleeds you. He brings the mantle and he says, put the mantle on. You're going to be the next prophet. But as I looked into that story, that guy out there plowing that field, he had to forsake some things. First of all, he had to forsake his position. He was out there with 12 oxen. That tells me it was a wealthy family. Probably his dad, he was the foreman for his dad's farm. He was wealthy. So he had to forsake that position in 1 Kings 19 and 19. But in 1 Kings 19 and 20, he had to forsake his parents. You say, what do you mean forsake his parents? Well, he said in 1 Kings 19 and 20, can I go kiss mom and dad? I want to go kiss mom and dad goodbye. Now, there's a, there's a verse for a long time I didn't understand. It's in Luke 14 and 26. It says, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I thought, hate. But then I realized it's a hyperbole. And what that means, it means you have such a strong love for the one, the other is a much less love. You have such a strong love for Jesus your love for everybody else will seem like hate. There's such a contrast. It's saying that your love for Jesus will be so much greater than your love for your husband, 
Your love for Jesus will be so much greater than your love for your wife. Your your love for Jesus will be so much greater than your love for your children. He said, no, I'm willing to forsake. I'm willing to forsake my position. I'm willing to forsake my parents, but I'm willing to forsake my possessions. If you look in 1 Kings 19 and 20, he took those hickory wood plows and he built a fire and he cooked that meat and he gave it away for people to eat. And this is all I'm saying, folks. We have to get to the point that we say, God, many times I've sat right there. I've sat right there when we've worshiped. And I've pointed and I've said, God, I don't have to have that. I don't have to be the pastor of Rock Springs Church. I don't have to have any position. All I've got to have is you. All I've got to have is you. And more than anything, all I want is a relationship with you. It's when we get to the point that we say, God, you mean more to me than my position. You mean more to me than my family. You mean more to me than anything I own. I'm going to praise you no matter what. Whether you give, whether you take away, I'm going to praise you. Won't you know something? There's a person to please. There's a price to pay. But there's a plan to pursue. This is what I said. God's plan for your life is what you would want if you had sense enough to want it. God's plan for my life is what I would want if I had sense enough to want it. Because God's plan for my life is what is best. Now keep in mind, according to 1 Kings 19 and 16, this old boy is just out plowing in the field. Let me tell you something. God's going to use people's lives that are just faithful right where they're at. So many times people want to take a quantum leap Why did God use David to slay the giant? Because he was faithful to keep the sheep. No, no. If if you do what you can with what you have, where you are, God won't leave you where you are, and he'll increase what you have. No, God, God never said for you to be popular. God never said for you to be successful. God just said, be thy faithful unto death. Be thy faithful. Now, this old boy is just plowing in the field. Just a normal day, hooking those oxen up. But you know what, God? God's in heaven. (laughs) He's planning out. And he's saying, that guy plowing in the field, he's going to be the next prophet of Israel. See, here's what I know, folks. When we don't even realize it, God is orchestrating and God's planning our lives out and God's bringing people in and God's moving people out and God's taking us places and God's opening doors and God's closing doors. He's doing all that. When we don't even understand it, folks, there's a plan to pursue. I read about a young man. He was in his 20s. He was a good-looking young man, and he was a singer. And uh, he said, I just got to make it. I just got to make it big in my music. I just got to make it big in my music. 
But he had an old praying mama. Hey, thank God for them mamas. <laughs> thank God for those voices in your life that call you and say, you're going to church tomorrow, aren't you? Did you go to church today? You, you need to be in church. You need to be in church. Let me say something, folks. Somebody said, Pastor Benny, what, 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 what do you want people to wear to church? If you knew how far removed that is from my mind, just come, just come, just come, just come. I pray our services would be so God-focused, we wouldn't be noticing what anybody's wearing anyway. I pray it'd be so God-focused that we'd be unaware of all that. But he had an old mama. She said, God, draw him back. God, draw him back. God, draw him back. He said, I signed a big career with NBC. Mom, I'm going to be fa famous. God, draw him back. Every morning, he'd get up and run down to that piano. <laughs> Every morning, he'd run down to that piano. She beat him down there. One morning, she got down there real early, and she took a poem. She just put it right there on the piano. So when he came in, first thing he see was that poem. He saw that old poem. Tears started rolling down his eyes. And he took that poem and he put a little tune to it. It wasn't a song. It was just a poem. And he put a little tune to it. And he started singing. Mama walked down those steps and she heard her boy singing this song. First time anybody had ever sang this song. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. One other thing I want you to see, that is, there's a power to possess. There's a power to possess. So, Pastor, explain. Well, you got to keep in mind, Elijah and Elijah's having a conversation. And Elijah says to Elijah, what do you want? And he said, I want a double portion of of your spirit. <laughs> I, I want a double portion of your spirit. 
Now, there's, there's, there's three or four things I want you to see, folks. These, these are good things. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Rarely do I get so excited about my message, but in my office, I just had a spell. <laughs> I mean, literally, when I started, I mean, I, I got to be, listen, if it don't do something in me, it's not going to do anything in you anyway, amen? But I mean, literally, I'm just in my study, and I'm just digging this out. Now, the Lord, he just blessed me. First of all, folks, I want you to see there's the, there's the presence of the master. <laughs> there's the presence. What, what happens? Uh, he puts that mantle on him. <laughs> At Gilgal, and Elijah says to him, He says, Elijah, I've got to go to Bethel. You stay here. Get this, folks. I got to go to Bethel. You stay right here. He said, No, no, no. Wherever you go, I'm going to. So if, if, if you're going to Bethel, I, I, I'm going to go to Bethel. So they get to Bethel, and he said, Now, Elijah, you stay right here. <laughs> I, I, I've got to go to Jericho. He said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. <laughs> if, if, if you're going to Jericho, I, I'm going to go to Jericho too. So they get to Jericho. And once they get to Jericho, he says, Elijah, I've got to go to Jordan. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. If, if you're going to Jordan, I'm going to. I'm going to. And what he was saying, folks, I'm going I'm going with you. And you know what our attitude ought to be? We're just going with Jesus. <laughs> we're, we're just going with Jesus. Uh, we're, wherever he is, that's where we want to be, folks. We're just, we're just going with Jesus. I'm just going to follow Jesus. If Jesus said it, I'm going to do it. If, if Jesus told me, if Jesus led me to do something, I'm going to follow that leadership. Whatever Jesus says, I'm just going to follow the presence of the master. I don't understand even, by the way, folks, I don't understand why any of us would want to be in a big hurry to get out of here today when the presence of God is right here with us. No, whatever he says, uh, I, I'm just going to do it. See, folks, let me, let me say something to you. I don't understand all the Bible. No, no, I, I'm your pastor, but, but, but I don't understand all the Bible. I, I, I believe it like this, though. <laughs> to understand the part of the Bible that you don't understand Obey the part of the Bible that you do understand. <laughs> and before you know it, you'll understand what you didn't understand. Understand? I believe that, folks, to understand the part of the Bible that you don't understand. Obey the part of the Bible that you do understand, and before long, you'll begin to understand what you didn't understand. Understand! I'm just going to follow him. I see the presence of the master, but I see something else. I see the place of maturity. You know, I thought about all these places. They go from Gilgal. They go to Bethel. They go to Jericho, but look, they come to Jordan. They come to Jordan. Now, the Bible tells us that they, they're walking in 2 Kings 2 and 7, and they come to Jordan. Now, understand something, folks. Anytime you see Jordan mentioned in the Bible, it represents death. It represents death. That's why we sing those old songs. 
I won't have to cross Jordan alone. Anytime you see Jordan, it represents death. Think about it. Many of you, many of you, I've baptized in Israel in the Jordan River. I remember baptizing that one because I'm married to that one. <laughs> Look, folks, what does baptism represent? It represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look, folks, you say, Pastor Benny, I want a double portion in my life. I want a double portion. You can't have a double portion unless you have a Jordan experience. You can't have a double portion experience unless you have a Jordan experience. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Galatians 2 and 20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What it means, we come to the point in our lives. Folks, you can call it consecration. You can call it sanctification. But don't you know something? There is more than just salvation. There is more than just salvation. God wants you to experience a Jordan experience where you die out to self and you surrender yourself and you make him Lord of your life. Call it what you want to call it, but God wants every one of us to have a Jordan experience in our lives. I've been pastoring since I was 17, and this is what I've learned. Many people just want fire insurance. They want enough of Jesus to get them out of hell. But we don't need enough of Jesus just to get us out of hell. We need enough of Jesus to get the hell out of us. See, there's the presence of the master. There's the place of maturity. Third thing I want you to see, that's the power for ministry. That's the power. Keep in mind, he said, if you see me when I ascend, you'll get a double portion of my spirit. Get this down. Get this down. Power and the double portion was connected to the ascension. Power and the double portion was connected to the ascension. Jesus said, if I go away, <laughs> I'll send you another comforter. If I go away, I'll send you another comforter. And when he is come, and Acts 1 and 8 says, you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. you receive power. you receive power for ministry. you receive power for life. Let me tell you something, folks. Right there, that's a glove. That's a glove. But I want you to know, it's useless. That glove is just useless. It's, it's of no value. It's, it's of no, it's, it's of no uh, redeeming qualities. It's useless. But let me tell you something. Once my hand goes into the glove, then I can do some things. I can do some things. But let me tell you something. That glove is our lives without the Holy Spirit. 
Singer, that glove is your life, singer. That glove is your life, singer, without the Holy Spirit. Teacher, that glove is your life without the Holy Spirit. By the way, husband, that glove is you without the Holy Spirit. Wife, that glove is you without the Holy Spirit. Preacher, that's you without the Holy Spirit. That's me. That's every one of us trying to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit, folks. There's no power. There's no power in the flesh. There's no power in our charisma. There's no power in our personalities. The only power that's significant is the power of the Holy Spirit. I see the presence of the Master. I see the place of maturity. I see the power for ministry, and I close. I see the performance of miracles. Because after the double portion, God used him to perform 16 major miracles. After the, after the double portion, God used him to perform 16 major miracles. See, here's what I'm convinced of. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't be what we ought to be without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't be what we ought to be without the power of the Holy Spirit. Samuel Chadwick said, Samuel Chadwick said, Christian religion is hopeless without the Holy Spirit. Samuel Chadwick said, the church that is man-managed instead of God-governed is doomed to failure. A ministry that is college-trained but not spirit-filled works no miracles. You know what God wants us to do? God wants us to reach that Jordan experience where we say, God, I die to myself because I want your power more than anything else. I want your power more than anything else. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe this. Your marriage will be different with the power of the Holy Spirit. Your ministry will be different with the power of the Holy Spirit. Your life will be different. Your influence will be different. Everything will be different with the power of the Holy Spirit. Folks, I don't know of a, I don't know of a greater thing we could do as we launch into 2020 that literally come before God and say, God, I come empty myself. God, I just come empty myself. God, I just empty myself. I just empty myself of everything in me. I want to have a Jordan experience. There's some things in my life that I need to die out to. Let me tell you something, folks. Let me tell you something. I've had people say to me, I'm an addict. I'm this. I'm that. Pastor Benny, I have this vice and I have that vice. And they say, listen, if I could sit down, will you sit down and talk to me? Will you sit down and give me counsel? I'll be glad to sit down and give you counsel. But folks, here's the only counsel I know. First John 4 and 4, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The only counsel I know is Romans 8 and 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? The only counsel I know is Romans 8 and 37, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Unless there is within us that which is above us, will soon yield to that which is around us. So today, perhaps husbands and wives say, we need to have a Jordan experience. I need to have a Jordan experience. I need to empty myself of myself and say, God, fill me with your power. 
Give me a double portion, God. Give me a double portion. Give me a double portion. Give me a double portion of your power and your presence. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.